Hello, everyone. Welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast. This show features the open-minded musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons, each who stare down the prospect of entertainment irrelevance. I'm your co-host, Bill William Scurry Scurry of American Caesar Enterprises, which uh, is specifically an Elvis impersonator who sings the songs of the king in the lost languages of the primeval tribesmen of the Sentinel <laughs> Islands. Okay. There's a lot to unpack there, Bill. First of all, you know I love Elvis Presley. Yes, but uh, actually, I did you know, not know you liked Elvis Presley. That's that's new information. I, I, okay, love. I mean, I'm a fan of his music. Not a big fan of his music. I I think Elvis is an interesting character. Yes, he is. That's, Grace, for, that's great, for damn sure. Graceland was awesome. But I think what a lot of young people don't realize is so Elvis died in 1977. In the 80s, growing up, like Elvis, to quote Mojo Nixon, Elvis is everywhere. Um, and you know, he was really almost a centerpiece of American pop culture still in the eighties. And I feel like he's faded since then. So, you know, things that were at central to culture in the eighties that have faded since then are Elvis Presley in the Vietnam war. Um, that's true. That's fair to say. Yeah. Pretty much. And they were, yeah. But also I was going to say, you know, Elvis is, it's like, it becomes a litmus test a sort of, um, a pink or blue piece of paper to test for acid or base in some ways. Like, I know it's always reductive to say, which do you prefer, Beatles or Elvis? It's one of those, like, Quentin Tarantino-esque yeah, movie like, dialogue. Yeah, I know. I, it's, it was, it was that, that cut scene from Pulp Fiction is literally about Yeah. That. However, you know, there is something to it in that it, it is a it is a uh, sort of pithy rejoinder, but it also winds up being something that says, well, there clearly were parts of the country where Elvis was a descendant of gospel music, came up in Tupelo. Yeah. You know, it's like that is going to speak for the values of certain people, whereas the Beatles coming in with their 60s energy and their mop top haircuts. Granted, that's not the whole story, but the Beatles, there are some places the Beatles couldn't permeate where Elvis was just I mean, Elvis, the, the Elvis meaning a stand in for everything that Elvis brought with him. Sun Records, the South. Uh, all that other, all the other weird stuff that he had uh, fixed, you know, the, the yeah. sex appeal. Uh, you know what I mean? Personally, when I try to answer that question, it's hard to answer because I prefer the Beatles' music, but I prefer Elvis's style. Elvis was the coolest guy ever. Elvis was just so fucking cool. And while I, I think his music was good, and there are songs where Elvis was amazing singer and performer, there are also songs where he sucked. I would take the Beatles' music nine times out of ten. Who, who was cooler, uh, Sinatra or Elvis? Elvis. Yeah. Sinatra, Sinatra. By far. So wait a second. Come on, Sinatra was a sleazy guy in a in a gross tuxedo. Oh man, you're you're gonna you're gonna cut the heart out of Brian Solomon and some of our friends like that. Okay, well that's that's a priority in my life. (laughs) But wait a second. Uh, Well, but 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 but, uh, the chairman of the board was he the first sort of cool American? Like was he the apotheosis of a a cool? No. Who was cooler than him first? uh, Valentino. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, I, 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 I guess the twenty. I mean, the concept of a celebrity being cool, it must have existed before the nineteen hundreds. I mean, so many celebrities of the eighteen hundreds are forgotten. Do you know who Dan Rice is? Uh, what's, he was a quarterback, right? No, maybe. I don't know. Dan Rice was a clown, uh, and he he was arguably the most popular celebrity in the United States in basically post Civil War to the end of the eighteen hundreds. He was hugely popular. He ran for president. I mean, it was a joke. Everyone knew who he was. And um, there was some biography of him called, like, The Most Famous Man You've Never Heard Of. And I didn't read it, but I read, like, five reviews of it. And I've read a lot about Dan Rice. 
And I don't know if like, you know, that's my point is like this guy was just everyone's favorite celebrity, but you know, I mean, you know I, there are I, biographies written of him now and he has a Wikipedia page so he's not forgotten. But I don't think that but, Dan Rice appealed to, you know, cool has to do with Right, right. That, that's what yeah. I was going to say is like, I don't know if what we consider cool, and by the way, kids, they're probably kids who laugh at us for using the word cool, but I don't know if what we consider cool uh, is, it would have applied to Dan Rice even at his peak. Also, he was a clown. So even now, like... The funny guys, we don't generally consider them to be cool. So I don't know if they were cool people. I mean, not American, but like at the peak of like, you know, when people loved people like Mozart and Liszt, you know, when women were swooning after them. Gustav Mahler was the definition of cool. Yeah, well, you might have, no, you might have considered some of those guys cool, right? I think you, so, need, I don't know. you need a youth culture. You need youth-obsessed culture, which yes, for some reason, youth, that's where it Youth that's culture, where... yes. And youth culture did not arise till the 20th century. Yeah, so I, Valentino's the first one I can think of. I'm sure there's someone before that. Yeah, you know, maybe. Well, that, fighting that's... over vials of his sweat and wanted to bathe I, in I don't his, know who, you know, who had, like, did, uh, who had more album, if album sales were a thing, did uh, Francis Albert Sinatra, was he over aggregate? You know, because his career oh, was Oh, like, I, I bet Sinatra sold way more records than Elvis. It's possible. It's possible. I, I, I would bet that Sinatra has outsold. But because he's still pumping out albums in the 70s that old women were buying mindlessly. So, I mean, you know, they repackage Elvis to the end of time. Same thing with the Beatles. But I, I, I first of all, I think Elvis is way cooler. I, and it's partly personal bias. I just think... Sinatra was a sleaze, and while you know, in with modern eyes, a lot of things Elvis did were unacceptable. I still buy into the story of Elvis having a, being being a good-hearted man for all these. And and as we know, the problem with Elvis is that he was corrupted by a dark and devious Dutchman, which does not speak well for the character <laughs> Noah of my neighbor, my my neighbor countryman here. You know what I'm saying? No, it does. It does that not. was the beginning of uh, the American invasion was by sending Tom Parker right. over to the United States. Before we get to the real episode, I just want to, you know, like I said, there was a lot to unpack in what you said. You said Elvis songs in the language of the North Sentinelese Islanders, yes, yes, yeah. who are among the most, they're, they're, they're considered, what's the term? Unapproachable? Uncontacted, uncontacted. Uncontacted tribe. Yes, sir, yes. Which even that has some, you know, they want to rephrase that. I don't remember what the, the alternate is. Anyway, these are people who live on an island. They're like Stone Age level technology. Every time anthropologists try to go there, people throw spears at them. There was the guy who went and tried to, you know, convert them to Christianity, and he was killed. I love that. We guy. know very. He's, he's the coolest we, guy. You love guy. that guy. You that love that guy. Yeah, I love him. Valentino of his day. But <laughs> I would argue that we know so little about the North Sentinelese Islanders' language that it would be a Herculean task to translate "hunka hunka burning love" to. So, well, so good luck with good luck with that business. I can tell you something. We have we have like a freaking warehouse full of uh, linguists and translators and AI, like <laughs> learning software. All right, that's... AI AI doesn't fear spears, right? They could go approach these people. Yeah, and also send, it, it send Megan send Megan to North Sentinel. It doesn't Island. get hung up on your concepts of morality, your propriety. Right. It's merely going to do the work that it's asked to do. Just doing the job. How can how can the North Sentinelese, who've probably never seen metal, how can they fear that? This is a great. Uh, this is a great introduction of my co-host, by the way. Yes. Oh, I haven't even said my name. You know I'm an Elvis guy, but you... And well, I said I like the Beatles music better. You know I don't like... Even Satra's music's not better. Wait, so... Wait, you, can, can I... You can, might not know my name, though. Yeah. Wait, so can I call it Sentinelvis? Would that work? Sentinelvis. <laughs> There's a story to be written out of that. You know, a guy whose life... His passion in life 
is he wants to re-record the songs of Elvis in the North Centralese Island language, and he'll do whatever it takes. So he'll learn how to approach these islanders, be the first Westerner to do it, right? Learn their live among them for ten years so he can learn their language, translate it, and talk to linguists of music theorists how, how phrases like "hunka hunka burning love" and um, what's another nonsense phrase? That uh, that nonsense. I don't know about that, but uh, don't. He be wasn't cool. really into nonsense phrases. I mean, no. I know all so many. You know what? Songs, a heart that's cruel Elvis spoke is, English. Know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, speak with linguists so he could finally do this and perform this in a lounge in Vegas for three people. Yeah. Uh, Sent in Elvis is the name of your movie. Yeah. You to work yeah on. That's it. I'm working. Uh, on it. I I will not be helping you. My name is Noah Tarno. I'm the founder and senior quiz master of the Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show spectacular. And uh, you, you got through the hard part, folks. On this show, we talk about uh, something that's new, that's happening, that's with it, that's cool. And we try to make sense of it because we're old. And uh, today, it's a movie. Uh, I would say, I would say I, I, biggest hit of 2023 so far. With the exception of our last movie that we talked about, which was the 2022 Well, okay. Yes. Not counting movies released in 20... The the. Biggest movie released in 2023 so far, yeah. right? At least most culturally talked about and and discussed in yeah. bullshit articles in the New York Times about it. That's true. Yeah, we are talking about Mathrigan. Mathrigan. Uh, Mathrigan. Is it is it pronounced Mathrigan or Mathrigan? I'm gonna go again. If, if, if I, I was born Sentinelese and I learned English as a second language, so it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to tell. I, I learned English just by listening to Elvis records. So, yeah, you know, right. Uh, Elvis Costello records. So yeah. I'm, I'm very angry and I consider women. Parents. I learned it by listening to Lou Costello records, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, our, our topic right. is in fact. I, not- I learned English by listening to Elvis Duran's morning show in the Z Morning Zoo. Elvis Mitchell. Anyway, enough, enough. So Megan is an early feature film sensation of 2023, as my esteemed co-host Noah Tarno just said. Um, If this is a Blumhouse horror release, and maybe that means something to you, maybe it doesn't, but it'll come up just, you know, scatteringly here and there. Uh, This movie has, as of uh, recording time, time of recording, the time we are recording this, Mike's hot. It has earned at least $132 million on a budget of a mere $12 million. And I know I speak for Noah. We have between the two of us, we have twelve million in our in our couch cushions right now. That's a pittance. Wow. So, something like that. Absolutely. That's nothing. Yeah. My but I have my couch yeah. is literally filled with money though, so it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. My 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 couch is made of uh, uh, platinum. So. Crypto, uh, crypto. Yeah. Crypto couch. Yeah, it's made. My, my couch is made of Bitcoin. Ethereum. So Mithrigan is the story of an advanced robot doll uh, paired with a girl who just lost her parents, uh, creating a emotional bond uh, with the uh, grieving girl and the AI. So the chemistry of the sophisticated technology and the sad child transforms Mithrigan into a rogue life form, an at-all-cost offender who abridges her programming to commit murder and mutilation. Uh, this is the, in the tradition of such killer AI movies as uh, Follow With Me Here at Home, my friends. 2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, Michael Crichton's Westworld, the Puppet Master series from Full Moon Entertainment, Ex Machina, which came out a few years ago from director Alex Garland, a uh, movie called Demon Seed, uh, underseen, yeah, I think, yeah. 1977 movie by Donald Kamel, uh, starring Julie Christie, a movie called Runaway, which is another Michael Crichton movie with Tom Selleck from the middle of the 1980s, among others, in fact. So... This well, particular, well, of course, you missed Child's Play, the Child's Play series, which yeah. I didn't realize so recently there is a Chucky TV series that is happening now. Yeah, you can't keep a good uh, monster. Right. Movie. And then you want to yeah. go farther back, you get 
the very classic living doll episode of the Twilight Zone. True. Starring yeah. starring your boy Telly Savalas. Yeah, my boy and, Telly uh, Savalas. Yeah. And you know, and and it's a cousin to to killer ventriloquist dummy stories, of which there are. Oh uh, yeah, another yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of cousins, a lot of little thin tendrils that go between places. The movie is directed by a man named Gerard Johnstone. It was written by Akila Cooper. Uh, and it was shepherded to market by horror moguls Jason Blum and James Wan. Uh, big names in this uh, field. It stars Allison Williams, who you may know from Girls and Get Out, where she played uh, Michael Kaluuya's um, uh, girlfriend. Uh, as the robotic... She was also in the, she was also in the live uh, TV version of Peter Pan. She oh, she played Peter Pan, the titular Pan. Yeah. And then the, yeah. So she plays the... Uh, oh, sorry, not Michael Kaluuya. Daniel Kaluuya. I'm sorry, I'm an idiot. Uh, and Get Out. Mike, Daniel Kaluuya. Yes. Uh, she plays the robotics engineer in this movie who designs the title mech and a veteran child actor and I've never seen her before but this woman Violet McGraw plays the young girl woman that, she's like eight dude oh I thought she was like Herve Velasquez it was an, a grown up <laughs> actor playing a small role she's yeah she, 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 she has Benjamin Button disease yeah she ages in reverse uh Weirdly, uh, this is strange, The Daily Show's Ronnie Chang plays the progress mad CEO of this robotics company. Uh, sort of, a, I guess, a little bit of a spin on Elon Musk and a few guys that we probably know along the way. And Megan herself is performed by a pair of actors, or maybe at least a pair of actors, if not some more uh, contributors. Amy Donald is the full-body performer. She's a New Zealand actress. I think, too, she maybe is 14, 15 years old. Um, I think she's small-framed and lithe, so it's more like a pantomime performance. She wears a silicone mask uh, for the bulk of the movie. And an American actress named Janet Davis is the voice, uh, which is, you know, uh, synthesized, at least. It's not just a straight-up performance. It's given a little spin using technology. And the character has been augmented liberally by the New Zealand FX Wizards Weta Digital the homegrown company that gave us all of Peter Jackson's stuff, and they've been working a lot on that uh, James Cameron series of movies. They're pretty much responsible for all the Avatar stuff now, too, at the gate. So the reason why we're talking about this film is because it's overperforming in the theater, uh, based on strong word of mouth from fans and a tide of love from the horror community. And uh, I have a lot to say about that. Uh, noteworthy are the commentators who are reading a queer angle into the titled character. And for instance, New York Times staff writer Eric Piepenberg has noted that Mithrigan, uh, the character, uh, has many of these strong femme qualities which are esteemed by drag queens and the like. Uh, there's there's a lot to go into with that, too. But um, yes. Of yeah. which we are the most qualified people. Yes, here. yeah, the, people come to yeah. us for that first, too. Not, we, we, yes, we have two spoiler alerts in this. One, we're going to give away details of the movie, so yeah, if we, you we, care we about that shit that, yeah. and you have you haven't seen it yet, don't listen. And two, if you don't care about our admittedly not entirely qualified opinions on certain subjects, don't listen for that reason as well. So Noah, as America learned, and the world, I should say, learned on yeah. our Terrifier 2 episode, you actually are a horror buff. So, uh, you know. Uh, I, I, I've been known to like horror movies, you know. Yeah, so, so By the did, way, yeah. very disappointing. I, I recommended to the skies Rosemary's Baby to my nephews who are 18, and they did not like it. They watch it with their friends. Uh, they might need they, to be they 30 thought, or so. They thought it was too slow. They thought the acting was good, but they just it didn't it didn't get them. And I mean, it's supposed to be slow. That's the point. Um, yeah, they liked they liked they said they liked Roman and Minnie. They thought they were good characters. Okay. I'm like they were amazing. They were amazing yeah. performances. That woman won an Oscar, Ruth uh, Ruth Gordon. Yeah, uh, but they didn't like the movie, which broke my heart. So, what do you think of this thing, huh? Uh, I found this film very frustrating. Uh, there's a core of a great movie here, or maybe more accurately, there's 
several cores of several great movies here. I think the movie doesn't know what it wants to be. It feigns it, you know, at the beginning, so Gemma, the character played by Alison Williams, uh, has to take in her niece after her sister and her brother-in-law are killed in a car crash. And she's very awkward with children, and she's a career woman and all that. And so the beginning of the movie feigns it being very poignant. You know, part of why she creates Mithrigan is to, uh, you know, bond with the girl, give the girl, you know, the first time she sees the girl smiles when the girl plays with some robot she has in her. And by the way, Alison Williams is very miscast here. Very miscast. Uh, she just does not come off as a tech nerd. She hasn't found her instrument yet as a, as a performer. You could say that's sexist of me, like, oh, a pretty girl can't be a tech nerd. She can, but whatever. Alison Williams isn't, isn't speaking it to me uh, for whatever reason. Maybe I'm sexist. I don't know. Uh, so it feigns it being poignant, but it doesn't really get there. It feigns it saying something potent about technology, but it's a real ham-handed comment. Ooh, if we make robot dolls that are substitute friends, we will lose touch with our humanity. Yeah, no shit, you know? This is a problem I have with The Matrix, presenting ideas that I came up with with my friends when we were 12 as if they are, you know, they are the most mind-expanding concepts one could ever think of. Uh, I think it fails to be a scary movie. I mean, you know, no surprise, Mithrigan goes nuts and starts killing people, but there's zero gore. I mean, not zero. There's close to zero gore. She doesn't kill that many people. Apparently, I read um, uh, Cooper. Is that the, the screenwriter's name? What's her name? Akila Cooper, yeah. Akila Cooper wanted to kill a few more people, and James Wan talked her out of it. So it's not really, it doesn't go for it the way it good. I kept waiting for the violence to kick in. And when it did, it was just, eh. So it, it fails in that regard of being, you know, I mean, Terrifier 2 was too much, but, you know, come on. You want to give me a movie where the doll goes nuts and murders a bunch of people? Give me that movie. And it just, it went like, it tried. It reached halfway there and didn't get there. And it's supposedly like a horror comedy, but there's almost no comedy. There's one scene out of the blue where Mithrigan does this like wacky dance, which you know was just put in there to go viral, and it has gone viral. You know, people are like dressing up and imitating the dance on TikTok and stuff, fine, but like that's the only comedy in the whole movie. Like either make it funny or make it not. I mean, you, you avoided mentioning Child's Play, and I don't want to hold up those movies as like great movie. I mean, the first Child's Play disturbed the fuck out of me when I was a kid. But that was violent. It went for it. And it has the regard. power of Brad Dourif, who's just simply one of his generation's Who best actors. Great. Yeah. But, but that series, you know, like it or hate it, horror comedy. You can do that genre. This movie didn't know what it wanted to be. It was trying to be all these things at once, and they all came off as half-baked. Uh, yeah, the movie's not poignant. Uh, Williams doesn't pull it off. I agree that Violet, what's her name, does a good job as a little girl, and the voice of Mithrigan and the, the body actor of Mithrigan were all... Yeah, more than acceptable. Everyone else, I couldn't have given two shits. I think Ronnie Chang, who plays the Elon Musk guy, is awful. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe that's yeah. supposed to be the comedy. The fact that his character is just ridiculous in an unamusing way. Um, the ideas about technology, as I said, are, are, are paper thin. And I don't. I think it didn't do the sci-fi work you need to do to make a futuristic concept really seem plausible. She's trying to put the, the doll together. She fails. And then when she sees how much it'll mean to her niece, she's like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. So she just works at her computer all night and it's done. Like no explanation of how she cracks the code. It just, it didn't, doesn't do the sci-fi work you need. Uh, yeah. It's not scary and it's not funny. So 
look, there are positive elements to this movie. Mithrigan is a is a striking character. Uh, give her a good story. Give give her a good cast. Give her a script that isn't you know that doesn't need five more rounds of polish. And maybe I'll be interested. But as is. Uh, this movie didn't do it for me. You know, these guys, uh, the Blumhouse, Jason Blum is this guy who is not, much like Roger Corman would say, I, Roger Corman said he never lost a dime on a movie he made. He only made movies if it was going to make him cash, and he knew how to sell anything pretty much, which was a solid combination for having a long career. New World Pictures was Roger Corman's shingle, and he did very well for himself. Still alive. I think he's like 96 years old, still sharp as a tack. Roger Corman's still alive? I've seen him live, yeah. He was at Metrograph in New York a few oh. years ago. He's amazing. He's an amazing guy, yeah. Um, so the thing is, is that James Wan is a guy who came up making, I think, insidious movies, and he's got this track record. He made Saw I thought, films. Wait, he's not. He's not. Yeah, he's the Saw guy. That's oh yeah, yeah. He's got a big track yeah, record. Okay. No, this James Wan. I forget. I think is he. I think he's born in China or Hong Kong or Malaysia. I forget where he's from uh, originally, but. He too is this guy. He like he is now. They're both uh, factories. That they, they they just churn out hit after hit after hit. They know exactly how to make a hit record. Stacks and stacks of wax and wax. You know what I mean? Yeah, what is they it? know how to make a hit record. They produced all of Elvis's records. Most people don't know that. Sun Records was uh, Jason Blum. And, yeah. and, and they they were the A and R team that discovered the hottest star of this North Sentinel Island. You know, it's weird. Akila Cooper, by the way, is an African American woman who's got a long track record on TV and movies going back a couple of years. Uh, yeah, she's sort of approaching middle age. I think she's forty or forty one. Um, however, she too is this hot hand right now, where she wrote. Uh, Malignant, which came out a year or two ago, and that was an enormous hit for these same guys. That was a Bloomhouse. I, I looked it up. It was not a hit. Oh, it no. was critically acclaimed, but it did not make money. Oh uh, well, okay. It was very buzzy, and that was James. It Wonder- was buzzy, but you yeah. know, no, apparently I, I, no one saw it. I, I didn't. I didn't. It, they were the Velvet Underground of horror movies. Well, I didn't like no it. No one saw it, but everyone who saw it made a made a movie. So these people have a brand, and you know the 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 weird thing is that Malignant did double down. Malignant had a lot of disgusting kills, like you know breaking a chair leg off and driving it through somebody's head, like all that stuff was in Malignant. All right, well that's what I wanted to see Mithril. Yeah, do. exactly. And the thing is, if you're making a horror movie about a scary doll, have the doll either kill people or horribly manipulate. I think it was a me. major miscalculation by Jason Blum to keep the rating. Again, the problem with this movie, it's a PG-13, uh, which is completely... You know, PG-13 now is the worst thing in the universe because people won't dance with an R rating, especially for a horror movie. And I don't know why... I mean, other than the fact that this is a doll and, you know, she does the dance in the trailer and she wears that sort of ampere waist uh, pink thing, you know, with the bob of hair, with that sort of blank Madame Tussauds wax face... I think that they kept the rating at PG-13 because they wanted to get a kid audience in who wasn't going to go for a chair leg through the throat. You know, like they wanted to play for this middle audience of younger people who can't get into R-rated movies. And you know what? It's paid off because this is making all the money they want. The problem is we can sit here and discuss in the next segment why, in fact, it has done all those things. Their decisions have proved to be correct, but unfortunately, I think it was detrimental to the art because this doesn't get this doesn't go across yeah. the finish line. It, it was trying to be everything to everyone, and, and you, you and, almost always fail when you do. Yeah, and it's like and what I think you know what I think is some something to someone apparently is not the hit. You know that would have made it a truer movie that's more um, online with in line I should say with what I want to see. Again, I, I think I could have sharp shoot sharp shot if that's a word sharp shooted. <laughs> I don't know this sharp, this, sharp, sharp shootoed, sharp shootoed, uh, and this yeah this this needed help to make it into something better than it is, but apparently in the sort of deranged, deformed, neutered form that it is, 
you know that that says something about what you know what people are looking for that you can sell this and again the fact that that's an, an enormous amount of money uh, forget about the fact that it's fighting something currently the blue cat movie is the number one thing right now and that was a 250 million dollar movie that has to make two billion and it's probably going to do that but the movie that's made for 12 and makes 132 is still seen as a gamble i mean and this is overperforming but it's like you should make a thousand 12 million dollar movies you will make a lot of 132 million dollar movies out of 12 million dollar movies easier than you can make two billion off of a 250 million dollar budget but I promise, if you just let us show you what Megan is capable of, you will realize that this is what we've been working towards. Megan? Model 3 generative Android. Why are we in the minority here? Why is this movie such a hit? And as you said, it is, it is, it's got cultural cachet beyond, you know, no one, here's the thing about a movie like Avatar, the Blue Cat movie. No one seems to care about it. They'll go see it, but no one's talking about it. There aren't think pieces about it. You know, uh, there aren't, you know, late night hosts making jokes about it. But Mithrigan, people are referencing. It is, you know, they've already greenlit the sequel. So why? Why is this movie so hot? I don't know if you saw last week on the Aubrey Plaza episode of SNL, they did a Wednesday Adams and Mithrigan dance, uh, sort of, of joining joining two memes. As, as, of course they did. Every yeah. show, yeah, and I'll get to it, but our boy Jimmy Fallon had a Mithrigan joke that, uh, as usual with Jimmy Fallon, reference to something, no humor behind. Okay, well, I got I got a three pronged answer for this one. Three uh, multi pronged. Okay. Yeah, uh, is that January is a dumping ground, which is customarily what's going on here. Um, people are either dropped their big re- releases right around Christmas or in the run up to it. Uh, people were obviously steering clear of Avatar as well, giving it a wide berth. Um, so this movie was able to come out, I guess, about two or three weeks ago. It came out in the first week of January where there was no expectations, and it owned as counter-programming. Uh, it really just slapped the shit out of anything else that was there. Um, I think also, it's weird, this is off the margins, but Tom, Tom Hanks is in a movie right now, a Swedish oh, adaptation. Right, uh, the story of Otto or something. Yeah, and it's like that, too, is a movie made for grown-ups. That's a, you know, it's, it's an adaptation, I think it was by the same director who made the Swedish version, making the American, the English language version. And that, too, is that's counter-programming. This, this, I think that you see these things happening, and they don't learn the lesson that you should do this all the time. It's still a fluke when it does happen. Although I think it's easy money. They're just not bothering with it. Um, you know, and let's, let's, and here's the other two prongs. First one is that it's a killer toy. Like, there's a lot of, there's a footprint for this. People know that that's out there in culture in many different forms, uh, and people like that. It, it, it and it has the scalability. Uh, it, you know, this not that this hasn't been done before because you know there was I want to say about four years ago there was another child play reboot that wasn't just you know the Chucky was a wind up doll that was inhabited by a killer spirit so there was like it's like a voodoo magic type thing. The it new- was voodoo in the first. I I've only seen the first child's play and it was voodoo. Yeah, that's it. But the new one with Mark Hamill did the voice of Chucky. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. And nobody saw it. It was that. terrible. It was a terrible oh, movie. Wow. That was a Mark pe- Hamill is like those who don't know, Mark Hamill is a great voiceover actor. Might be the best Joker in history. He played the Joker in all the Batman cartoons in the nineties and two thousands. Fucking brilliant. Brilliant. Um, yeah, that the, but the the new Chucky had this same aspect where the intelligence had an AI feature that went corrupt and that's you know, it becomes a killer to protect a young kid. Um, okay, those are the two prongs, but here's the other, here's the third thing, and this is, this is like Bill Scurry's prime directive, and I spouted up about this on, on social media and anyone who'll listen. Horror movies, and I said this about Terrifier too, the horror continuum of fans, 
They circle the wagons for mediocre product. Honestly, horror fans don't give a shit about what horror is so long as it is horror. They don't. The quality is no gauge. If it's a one-star movie, two stars, five stars, it gets treated with the same uh, possession or possessorship uh, mm-hmm. of it. it it's, well, they feel they have to legitimize their love. I know. And it's amazing that, like, like I got it. If, if it was a bunch of kids wearing Rush t-shirts in 1991 <laughs> in a basement, then you're going to start, like, standing for these, you know, really grotty... You know, Trancers and and Reanimator and really, honestly, some really good movies amongst the shit. You know, people make horror movies because they're easy to make, and they know that you know you by banking on horror fan zeal, you don't have to focus on quality; you get enthusiasm. Ed Wood knew that. Yeah, and so like Mithrigan has this thing of like, well, they were smart enough to put the dancing in the trailer. They were smart enough to make this. Again, there's a queer angle to it. If you want to see it, it's in there. But it's like I should say that the people who are showing up for it are horror fans who are um, championing any material, you know, regardless of the quality level. Well, your multi-pronged approach is interesting. I have my own uh, kind of three. Show me. Here. Show us your prongs, Noah. Show us. Whip it out. Uh, the first show us your one prongs. is the. You know, it's good timing for the making the statement about tech taking over, you know, chat API or whatever it is, which I thought about suggesting as a topic for us. But like, I don't want to even try to understand that. Uh, So it makes a timely tech statement. But as I said, it's facile in its statement making. But whatever, people are going to hear that and listen to that and think, you know, want to hear what it has to say. Uh, Let us jump into why... Uh, people are scared of killer dolls and it is the same reason or some of the same reasons why people are scared of zombies. Let's jump into the uncanny valley. So I am fascinated by the concept of the uncanny valley and that basically means if you were to plot an XY axis where the X axis is uh, how much a robot or a doll uh, or just how much a figure of a human being looks like a healthy human being. All right, in the top right corner, you would have a healthy human being, right? They look most like a healthy human being, obviously, and they, you know, uh, are, we are generally more comfortable, most comfortable looking at them. An industrial robot, Robbie the robot, a car building robot would be sort of in the middle. And then you would go up as it gets like a stuffed animal. And then as you get closer to a healthy human being, the line drops dramatically. And that's where you get to scary dolls ventriloquist dummies, zombies, and that forms a valley. And the zombie is thought to be at the bottom of the uncanny valley. And I think the doll, the the killer doll and the ventriloquist dummy would be down in there. And then as you come up again, you get like a sick human being, you know, someone who's got like pustules on them or something. And finally you get to the top, you get to the healthy human being. I'm I'm probably not explaining that very well. Google uncanny valley, you'll see what I mean. Um, So this stuff really has power to scare us. Zombies, scary dolls. I was fascinated by them as a kid. They just, they hit something very primal in the human fear response. So, uh, and Mithrigan is well-designed. It is well-designed to be a, you know, the eyes are like this bright blue. The face looks sort of normal, but not normal. Yeah, it's it's dead in the move. right way. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's, it's, that's what I said. I think the Mithrigan character is very well-designed. I just think they need to give it a better story. Uh, so that's one reason why this hits people. That, the tech statement, uh, you know, you mentioned the dance went viral. I think it's shoehorned in there, but people love that shit, you know, for the TikTok era, a dance people can imitate. 
great. I mean, I think I Googled it and watched it. Drew Barrymore dressed up as Mithrigan and did the dance. You know, ooh, famous people. I, I care about that. And then you mentioned the gay angle, and let's touch on that quickly. You sent me that article from Eric Piepenberg, Piepenberg, I don't know, uh, New York Times. The headline is, A Doll That Wears Sunglasses With Attitude? Oh, Mithrigan is a gay movie. And he quotes some, like, gay horror writer who says, quote, gay men historically have been seen as less than and weaker mentally and physically, and we know that's not the case, the least writes. It's almost a boon to be a Mithrigan, to be dismissed as this little innocuous thing when in actuality that confusion of sense allows her to be powerful and destructive. All right, this man clearly knows, the man that Pippenberg is quoting clearly knows more about horror movies than I do, but I don't agree with him here. I think uh, Mithrigan is such a poorly thought-out character motives character-wise that she doesn't pull that off. I am also, look, neither of us is gay. Neither of us is an expert on gay culture. I think we both qualify as allies, so here's my opinion. I don't like this gatekeeping-y thing of a doll that wears sunglasses means gay, that gay means being fabulous, that gay means being having style or liking certain elements of popular culture. I think that's really not very, you know, if you're born that way, your sense of style has nothing to do with it. And it's this idea that you're not a real gay man unless you, uh, you know, have a sense of fashion feels very dismissive of a lot of people on the LGBTQ spectrum. Megan, say hi to David. As in the boss, David? Well, I guess I should call you dad. <laughs> Allow me to tell you a little bit about my, my wormhole. wormhole. I was born in a sandwich hat and I wolf many cabbages. Uh... This isn't supposed to happen, obviously. No, tell me, would you have liked Mithrigan if if you had ever been a child? Well, I don't think so, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do something perhaps a little therapeutic here. I often say on the show, like, well, I don't like our topic, but I would have liked it when I was a kid because I was dumber, and I would have thought its semi deep statement would have spoken to me back then. And I was tempted to say that about this, like, oh, it's deep statement about you know tech and how tech can take over. I would have thought it was more deep then and not stupid like I think now. But I'm going to give myself more credit than I usually do and say, no, I would have seen right through it. Like like I said, I saw The Matrix back when I was 24, and I thought it was one of the worst movies I'd ever seen. And I was stunned that people thought it was a, a game changer because I just thought the ideas were so basic. So I'm going to give myself credit and say, you know, if I saw this when I was 24, I would have still thought the ideas were basic and stupid. I would have still thought it was a mishmash of ideas, none of which really cohere. Uh, and also, you know, back then I had less patience for girly things. And and this is a movie, you know, aimed at a female or perhaps gay audience, uh, which let me go back and say that's a good thing about it. Because, yeah, we need more, you know, women-focused horror movies. Hey, have you ever seen the movie The Descent? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Neil Marshall. is a good From like movie. like 15 years ago? Yeah, sure. That just popped in my mind as a female-focused horror yeah, movie. Yeah, there's not movie. too many of those. That's a real, a real unicorn, you know? a good you know? movie. Yeah. Yeah, but they should be better than this. They should be better than Mithrigan. Yeah. Well, you know, when we were kids, Noah, we had uh, we ate well, as uh, cultural commentators say. We had uh, full moon entertainment, I brought up before, made stuff like this annually through the 90s. I mean, they choked this shit out for the VHS cassette. The stuff went right to video. It was great. We ate it up, man. But I'll tell you why. I mean, the reason was it was, you know, the horror that was pitched to 12-year-old, 13-year-old boys in suburbs. I mean... It was for a good couple of reasons. That shit was done completely practically. I mean, that was a person in a suit. It was a little person or a small actor playing Chucky, you know, or puppets that were done, you know, uh, uh, for close-up shots. So it had sort of inhuman thing. 
but you know what, man? It was much more violent. It was exploitation. And it was loaded with glorious, gratuitous nudity. I mean, this movie... But, but if it's female-focused, it shouldn't have gratuitous nudity. Okay, that's fine. Not... But to, I'm be, saying... to generalize, that's not what female horror audiences are looking for. No, these, okay. these weren't. But on the other hand, look, I mean, there, you, there's the other argument we could make, the ongoing thing about movies being completely neutered from sex, uh, you know, which is an ongoing concern. No. Cult, culturally... Movie... If you get all the sex movies you want at the, at the, at the click of a, of a keyboard stroke... It's not the same. Why do you need them in the movie? It's theater? not the same. It's not the same thing at all. There, there is a, there is definitely a place for sex and nudity in movies, and they're shying away because they figure people. Yeah. It's, it's the, the odd boob has has power on the movie screen. It's yes. ridiculous. You don't get the exploitation yeah. that you used to in the old days, and it's like, frankly, that's what made the stuff of legends. And I'm not just saying that as a pervert. I'm saying that as a person who likes movies that push the boundaries. <laughs> it's a, it's a big deal. Not that you're not a pervert. But you know, the one thing Terrifier Two was a movie that went so hardcore in the gore, but there was only one uh, shower scene and it was still done chaste because uh, the actress didn't want to do a nude scene. There was nothing else. It's like there's the prohibition against any sort of sex and or female nudity or any nudity. There were the close-ups of that main character putting her little Valkyrie costume okay. on. Not were... the same thing. Very but... suggestive. But but the, I, but the thing is, I guess that's a roundabout way of saying, yeah, you know what? I would have liked this because chances are the version of this that came out in the 90s would have been a banger. It would have been something that would have just slapped you upside the chin and demanded that you watch it because it would have had a lot of the, um, you know, the, it would have been a Brian, a Brian Yuzna movie. It would have had all this stuff. that It would have felt dirty when you were watching it. You know goddamn well that you would have made sure you kept the VHS tape from your parents so they didn't see what you were watching. I mean, that was a big incentive. The stuff delivered. And this movie doesn't. But I think because it's sort of wearing the clothes of the thing that used to sort of slap... And this is completely anemic compared to that. Um, it would have gotten. It would have gotten in my head. I would have given it a shot, regardless. Probably still why I did watch it. Honestly, it's why yeah. I watched it. Now, hoping against hope that it would have rekindled what it felt like to be in 1991 all over again. You know something, Gemma? You're exhausting. Now I can either do this with you or without you, but I'm not going to waste any more time discussing it. Bill, is the success of Mithrigan the the virality? of what it's all about. Uh, is that in any way a sign of the apocalypse? I am uh, unhappy that this is the state of horror to some degree. Um, I mean, there, there, there's it's sort of a bifurcated state of horror because, you know, you've had a reinvigoration of horror the last few years. There's been a couple of movies like, uh, like I said, you may, Malignant might not have delivered the goods in terms of um, uh, yield. However, it is something people still talk about as a touchstone. Uh, you know, much like the Saw movies made their way through the late teens and the, early, the late aughts and the, the early teens in terms of delivering the horror thing. That's all James Wan's doing. Um, so horror has been invigorated. And last year you had Barbarian, which I watched and didn't like, and a new movie called Smile, which I did not watch. But people, again, they talk about these. Yeah, things. I kind of want to see that. People said it was good. It's if you, I think that concept is like a, it follows, but it's a little different. It's not working on as many uh, levels as it follow does. Um, so no, I mean it's it's that horror itself has been delivering constantly, and people who you know not to use a term people say something called elevated horror uh you know we we don't agree with that there's just you know there's no such thing as an elevated as a phase of some genre it's just the genre of horror um you know it, it's good if they make more of it because chances are there's going to be more stuff however the the fact that the people champion mediocre product 
it's not a sign of the apocalypse, but it does disappoint me. I wish that there was a drive. I wish people were harder to win over um, in that it wasn't so easy to sort of get one past them because Mithrigan is, you know, damaged goods. It's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's rue. It has no flavor of its own. Um, it's just sort of the basis of cooking without any spice inside of it. And, you know, it's proved to be a world beer. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just, it's so flat in the fact that it's celebrated. It's really, you know, we say this about a lot of our topics, but it just shows like the, the downgrading of what we consider a great piece of art. And, and it's not offensive. It's not, it's yeah, just, it's, it's so, not, it's, yeah, it like is obedient. Said, it's actually even it's, obedient. It's rue. I like that metaphor. It's just very, you know, it, it's weak sauce, as the kids would say. Um, as kids 10, 15 years ago would say. Leave me alone. It's a jacket, though. All right, Noah, uh, tell me about jealousy. Does this movie inspire any feelings of envy? Yeah, I mean, we're in the big minority here. Almost everyone seemed to love this movie, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, every true. review I see is more, you know, freaking Richard Brody in The New Yorker liked this movie. Oh, yeah, weird. And I feel weird, like weird he doesn't like shit. anything. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just everyone seems to like this movie. You mentioned several friends of the show, people you know like this movie, and I just, I guess I'm jealous of like... I. You know, I wish I fit in and understood what everyone's talking about because I just, I, I, I thought it fell flat. So I'm, I'm really jealous of that. You know, it makes me feel like the old man yelling at a cloud. And the old man yells at a cloud because he's jealous of the world that has left him behind. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not jealous of the fans. I got plenty of stuff that I like. I don't need to. Now, that's a healthier attitude than mine, my friend. Uh, maybe it is. But look, I get to watch a lot of movies. And so um, it's easy to find better stuff than this. And that's also what that forces me to do is, is sort of keep a harder line, a baseline in terms of what I'm going to like give a good review to. Now, if there's anybody I'm jealous of, it's the phenomenon of this Jason Blum guy who's the founder of the production studio. I mean, I don't know how creative Jason Blum is. I assume he's got his thumbprint on all these films and there's kind of a formula. And the thing is, I've actually liked a lot of the movies that have come out of his imprimatur or have his imprimatur on it. Um, however, there is a sort of grim symmetry to a lot of these things where they're formula built. Um, and I, you know, I tell myself that I'm the kind of person who can sniff right through formula. And, and if anything, once you detect that something's formula built it becomes a put off. You know, you don't want to see something that mm, is I'm not so sure. Um there's something I mean if, if they if they work the formula well and it's a good formula. Well, I think I get they, a lot of music. Right? A lot of music. A lot of music. I think, you know, in, in with, with movies it's the difference between using cliché and using formula. If you're recapitulating cliché, you could do something new with it, but if it's formula, it winds up being a very, you know, a, a you know, like beach glass. It's just been worn away by water hitting it 10 billion I, times. I don't agree, but it might be a matter of semantics. So. Maybe oh. so. Maybe so. But Bloom has this Midas touch, you know, he he knows what he's doing and he's gotten very wealthy and he continues to get wealthier and he's he still uh, is in this game. I mean, it's been years, at least 12 or 13 years, maybe longer. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm undercutting this guy's legacy. He doesn't show any signs of stopping. Um, I mean, maybe it's because I wish I liked the movies he put out. Maybe I'm jealous of his, you know, uh, being a fan of his as much as I am whatever this guy managed to do. But, I mean, I, very few people are able to, you know, continue their string as long as this guy has. I mean, he really knows. He speaks to the seashell, and the seashell, the voice of the water answers back to him and gives him the secrets of the ancients. It's hard to say what it is. 
All right, and secrets fi- of the a- secrets of the ancients. The ancients are telling us how to make a scary AI doll movie. And finally, without rebranding again, I believe we're calling yeah. it the testicular scale for the moment. No, I'm going back to the. Yeah, I'm going back scale. to the Fuck, scale. Jimmy okay. Fuck Jimmy Fallon. Fuck Jimmy Fallonian. But uh, yeah, yeah, you know the other the thing I saw was that people were on the pro the uh, they pulled out the uh, I think it was a year old clip of Jimmy Fallon and uh, Paris Hilton stumping those stupid ape uh, the drawings the sort of uh, uh, the blockchain oh, the, things the, yeah, yeah the the the, the uh, you know what I'm talking about yeah why NFTs I couldn't remember the yeah NFTs. yeah it's like I another reason not why, acronym the abbreviation another reason why Jimmy Fallon sucks and why Paris Hilton should have remained uh, locked in a cube somewhere and thrown to the bottom of the ocean but who knows. Yeah, so where does this fall uh, in the middle of all those things? No, our XYZ scale well, bullshit. I, I cast my mind back to a quote-unquote female-centric movie that we did in the past, and I, I alighted upon Zola, which, you know, look, Zola hasn't really stayed with me that much, but my memories of Zola were like, it was just so much more suffused with originality and yeah. new ideas. And risk, and risk, to be frank. And risk, and people actually trying to act well. Uh, God, can you remember anything about any character in that movie other than Allison and the little girl? I mean, maybe Ronnie Cheng because he sucked. All the other characters were so terrible. They're awful. They're awful. They're all New Zealand um, actors, man. They're fucking new. They're Kiwis. No, there's that guy. The, the, the guy who plays, the guy who gets hanged, the, the, the tech guy, he gets hanged, but he survives. Clearly, he was supposed to die, but that was the death that was vetoed. So he's apparently a big stand-up. Oh, okay, like yeah, some... but no, there was like three... But he f- did nothing in this movie. Maybe he's the most talented guy in the world. Maybe he's fucking George Carlin, but he did nothing in this movie. Um, anyway, whatever. So Zola's a lot better. So I said, let's multiply Zola times something that is bad. So it goes lower, and I, I just... I multiply it by glass animals, something that takes concepts, formulas that could be good but doesn't get them right, but somehow is popular anyway. And then I thought that still leaves us with too high a value, so let's subtract something. So I decided, staying on the girly tip, I subtracted Love Shack Fancy. So you're at Zola times Glass Animal minus Love Shack Fancy. That's where on the XYZ axis of all the I don't get it, get off my pop culture, get off my long cast topics, that's where you would find, in my opinion, Mathrigan. Yeah, I ran the numbers on that. I think they come up with a, yeah, yeah. zero. Yeah. There's nothing left Works over. Out. No, no dividend. We pumped it into our AI machine yeah. and that's what we came R-A-I, up R-A-I the Italian sports network R-A-I, R-A-I yeah yeah R-E-I where we, you rent camping <laughs> uh, I thought that this movie reminded me I look I see the things that it thinks it does well and I enjoy the occasional theme or beat to it occasionally but overall it's just oversatisfied with itself it doesn't deliver the goods which makes me think Noah of one of your favorite topics electronic dance music E. oh yeah yeah alright do you think this movie's a lot better if you're drunk? <laughs> uh, drunk or using some heavy synthetics at some point? Yeah, I, you know, I have no idea. All right, everybody, uh, that fig- finishes another yet another episode of this. They let us get away with it. Someday they're going to find us out. They're going to snake us. They're going to smoke us out of our holes and stop right. this thing because, altogether. Because it's such you got to be so qualified to do a podcast. Yeah. It is. We haven't updated our license in two years, and they're going to catch up with me. I know That's it. That's right. Uh, I you, know we gotta we gotta we gotta go back to school for that. If you'd like to find past episodes, look on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us at No One Bill Show. Write to us No One Bill. Don't get it at gmail.com. Give us a review on the aggregators. That's how people find podcasts. 
Uh, I'm always talking. Whatever I'm doing right now, I'm doing it with my fingertips typing on Twitter, at William Scurry, and I make it just spitting gold all day long there. My video You're, you're one of the few people I pay any attention to. Actually, I've moved more to Instagram following you. Yeah, no, Instagram's good. I like your cat pictures. That's very important. I, Thank I, you. I like yes, seeing Susie. Yes. It's a big uh, pickup yeah, of the it's day. A there. Priority in my life. Fo photos of my cat. To quote someone who was very wrong, no one wants to see. No one on the internet wants to see photos of your cat. Yeah, <laughs> who said that? Jim Neighbors. I have no uh, idea. Well, how no, old? I'll, I'll tell you later. Yeah. A cat hater. A cat hater. So YouTube.com/slash/AMCSU. You'll find my videos there. And now here's Noah to tell you where you can find himself. You can find me at BigQuizThing.com. That is my company. The Big Quiz Thing, the finest in corporate and private live trivia entertainment, in-person, virtually hybrid, worldwide, uh, nationwide. Learn more today at BigQuizThing.com. And I personally am on Instagram at TheNoahTarno, because at NoahTarno was taken by some kid in Toronto. So you snooze, you lose, friends. Learn that lesson from me. But I am the Noah Tarno. You're doing your first gig in the Instagram. Sentinel Islands this year, right? Yes, we're doing a gig in the Sentinel Islands. They, they need team building there. They really need team building. So it's a bit of a tough gig. I have to learn the Sentinelese language. Uh, we're going to do an audio round entirely, the music of Elvis, because apparently they're, they're Elvis nuts there. Uh, so, yeah, it's a bit tough. I got to learn the entire language, so we tacked on another 10% on our food. You have to develop a, a healthy immunity to the sort of poisoned uh, cane uh, dart. Right. Uh, tote exactly. Spears. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they're making me pay for my own uh, lodging on North Central Oh, Island. yeah, that's true. And yeah. I'm having trouble finding an Airbnb there. So. I tell you, man, the Sentinelese... Uh, it's, it's a challenging gig. It's a challenging gig. The, the Sentinelese rider, man, like the, the paperwork they give you. It's oh, like, Jesus. It's, it's unforgiving. And we, we pitched them to do it virtually because that would have been easy. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. No, there's sticklers on, sticklers on uh, being there up front. All right, everybody. So until we agree as a civilization to pronounce the number three as the letter E in somebody's name, we, we don't, don't get, get it. it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2023.